0: What the hell is this Akira thing, huh? I asked Ryu one time. He told me that Akira is ultimate energy. Ultimate energy? Humans do all kinds of things during their lifetime, right? Discovering things. Building things. Things like houses. High-speed trains, motorcycles, bridges and cities, rockets. So, where do you suppose all that knowledge and energy comes from? Humans were once like monkeys, right? And before that, like reptiles and fish. And even before that, plankton and amoebas. Even little creatures like those have incredible amounts of energy inside them. And even before that, maybe there was genetic material in the air and water. Even in the particles of dust in space. And if that's the truth... Then what sort of memories are hidden within them? The beginning of the universe, or maybe even before that? And what if everyone shares those ancient memories? What if there were some mistakes in the progression? Then something goes wrong like an amoeba is suddenly given the higher powers that a human has. Akira is an amoeba then? Amoebas don't build their own houses and bridges, do they? They just devour all the food they can find around them. Is that what Tetsuo's doing? Are you saying he has that kind of energy? the only we have to fear is No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. There's nothing to fear except God. Whatever that means to you. Do I look like someone who cares what God thinks?
1: You're listening to a podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is the fear of God. Hello, and welcome back to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey. And guys, he was here, but he said he needed to go check on his motorcycle before we got started. I didn't even know he had a motorcycle. (laughs) We've known each other quite a while. Um, I'd love to hear more. I'm sure he'll be back. In the meantime, allow me to welcome you, listeners, back into our ongoing mega
0: series. <laughs> oh,
1: it is Stranger Things season again. We wanted to spend our summer covering films and filmmakers that influenced the hit Netflix series. The first half of our mega series featured discussions on the works of John Carpenter, and in this second half, Reid and I, to show our love for you, our listeners, made you a mixtape. This half of our mega-series will be featuring four films that have inspired the whole concept of Stranger Things. Last week, we revved our engines with routine guest and Mad Max aficionado Ian Olsen discussing The Road Warrior. This week, we'll be checking in on Neo-Tokyo with Katsuhiro Otomo's anime Opus, whose put-upon central character Tetsuo is a prototype for Stranger Things 11. That's right, today we are discussing 1988's Akira. Additionally... We'll be featuring a patron-only segment on Stranger Things Season 4, Episode 7 with quarterly queen Jess Fishley. But before we hop on our bikes, allow me to welcome back to the show Fear of God continuity guru Stephen Beckley. Welcome back to the show, Stephen. Hi, Nathan. Great to be here. Great to yeah. have you. What a pleasure. We just thought this was a fun tie-in to your presence on the Tunes, Bit of a re- reprise of that series here. Um, Stephen, do me a favor. Check on that weird-looking kid over there. Uh, While well, I remind listeners that here at the Fear of God we explore, we don't explain, except for right now when I explain that you can find every fog and fear of God thing imaginable at thefearofgodpodcast.com. That's right, thefearofgodpodcast.com. Things like how to support us on Patreon, essays, team bios, episode archives, merchandise. <laughs> read. Never rose. Uh, <laughs> <Stephen> <laughs> this whole episode, we should just yell each other's names <laughs> Get at each it other. My <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! The amount of times that a character yells out, "Canada!" can't my oh boy! These That's are- how I feel most days. Oh, Canada! <laughs> please take me. Um, yes, <laughs> so funny. Yes. Um oh Riri. Uh, one v- very important, two very important business times. Two, one. Uh, uh. I'm, I am thankful that Beckley here, Beckley is here to kind of uh, uh, certify this this mm-hmm. bit of information. And that mm-hmm. is that this month in August. So this will probably release in September. I can't tell. No, it's the last Tuesday in August. So yeah. cool. This will be it under the wire. Yeah. This will be the third. This year. month yeah. is our sixth anniversary. I can't believe of it. Fog read. Yeah. can't believe it. We've been read. doing this for six years. Yeah. Oh
2: my God. yeah. Very first episode dropped on uh, August 23rd, 2016. Oh, Impressive.
1: Man, Beckley. Thank you. Beckley. This is why man. we have you around.
3: Man, and Reed, oh, man. I feel
1: like you and I are like the Eddie Munson, Dustin uh uh Henderson, and we're just like horsing around in the field, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and all the seeming overtones at present in that scene. Oh, um indeed. Right, right, oh. right, sure. Um so, Congratulations
3: uh, on six years. Happy man. anniversary. Yeah, six happy anniversary. Years.
1: Uh, so, here's to Thank at least you, Steve. Thank six you. more uh, um, Rene. the <laughs> subsequent uh 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 Business time read is a pretty significant one because yeah, while we are keeping track of the calendar, i.e., anniversary season, brothers, brothers from other mothers, we are stepping into upon it is the dawn of Halloween season. I can't wait. Twenty twenty two. What a warm blanket is Halloween season, isn't it? Just it it it? is it's just so being odd you know (laughs) uh, i love uh, the warm blanket that is loving halloween as much as we do and in the spirit of that reed last year we did an event that despite my efforts to crash the system that i was trying to develop on the fly in terms of the trivia game we did we did our very first ever Ween. god and we had a grand old time beckley was there a, a sort of myriad of friends of the fog were there. Uh, it was a grand old time, uh, prizes were given out. Mm-hmm. Um, trivia trivia was, uh, uh, asked and answered. I guess mm-hmm. you played, uh, the every man on each team. Oh that gosh. was a lot of fun. <laughs> and what that means is fog of about to happen again. Oh my and, God. And uh, while we don't have, a, 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 a date yet to report. Um, it's coming. So start planning. Typically that last weekend-ish before Halloween, we will mm-hmm. in the coming weeks have a more tactile bit of calendar planning for you there. And, exciting. and it's
3: exciting. It's very exciting. Can I share one thing? And then Steve Please. has something to say. So um, something that's worth noting is uh, people may ask like, well, hey, Fogoween's coming up. I want to be in on that. How do I get in on that? Well, How do you, you do know, it? Well, you know what? There's one really easy way to do it if you are a patron of the show. Come jo- come join us on Patreon. If you're a patron of the show of the show at the $10 or above level, you get an automatic invitation. Like you're going to get all the invites, you're going to get all the details, you're going to have some input as to what we do and 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 how we do it. So uh if you are a patron at the $10 level, you can uh, guarantee your participation in Fogoween, the sequel. So, uh, so yeah, I'm very, I'm very But if very I'm not excited. a
1: patron, does that just mean I'm locked out, Reed?
3: That's a great question. We got to, We got to. We got to no, figure that out. No, it means
1: <laughs> you just joined Patreon. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That Didn't mean is. the trick question there. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, when we launched the Patreon at the beginning of the year, uh, one of the plans for uh, uh, you know inviting you guys into uh, weird as it sounds and kind of investing in the fog, as it were, was to have exclusivity on certain uh, certain events, certain elements uh, that we put out yep. in the wild and in the world. Uh, one of those things will be. In this case, foggoween twenty twenty two. So if you are oh. not currently at that ten dollar level, you got plenty of time. Heck, join the ten dollar level for the month of October, then you know, if you so need to, back off. Uh, but yeah. that's how yeah. you we're not picking it to <laughs>
3: Um well, real quick, Steve, did you have something yep. you wanted to say? I think I cut you off like twice as you, you opened your
2: mouth. Uh, and, no, no, it. I'm good.
3: You good? Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. Nathan, let's let's hey, keep going. Steven,
2: that sounds exciting. Uh, I'm looking forward to finding out what exactly we're doing for Fogoween.
1: Ooh, it's going to be fun. Uh, Steven, take your motorcycle for a test drive real quick, or take Reed's, uh, because Reed and I are going to head to the Patron Mobile. (music) Now, about this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Um, my gosh. Can I riff a second riff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, no, um, uh, when, when mixtape season came around for the, the stranger things mega series, you know, it gave Reed and I the opportunity to really kind of vet some ideas that probably on the surface might not would have been more, um, categorically appropriate to our standard fare. Um, but if the idea is, um, you know, films, media that inspired, what became stranger things, uh, we started doing some digging, started kind of, um, running up that hill, if you will, and finding (laughs) material that might be appropriate. And I remember, uh, doing some of that research and stumbling on Akira and which made total sense. You know, it, it's definitely the dark turn, uh, of an L type Mm -hmm. character, but it's very clear. The template is very clearly there, um, at least in concept oh, Absolutely. And R- Reed, you and I, uh, to my recollection, um, kind of had a running list and just started kind of being kind of brutal with it. Just started yep. lopping things off and Chopping it I down. just, I just couldn't part with this one. Um, and it felt kind of appropriate given our scaretunes uh, series a few months back, uh, not only to have Beckley on, uh, because he was a part of that, but also just a bit of a reprise, arguably i think this is one of the signature anime feature films kind of ever um it is kind of lauded as what broke the form into american pop culture and it was so cool y'all like this is just me sharon's you know kind of personal whatever like i really really tried to actually read it before our time tonight and I, just, oh, I just couldn't wow. make it happen there's it, it's it's a little hard to find without extensive work that i didn't plan in time for there is a um you know if you just google read akira online there's like a couple of sources for this but they are just riddled with like bugs and pop-ups and blah 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 it's pretty impossible
2: yeah i looked into. But, i heard there's like six volumes right or, oh yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty, pretty
1: massive it's, yeah yeah they might be
2: 50? I don't, I don't know how many it is. So I and should... if you wanted to actually buy the hard copy, it would be an investment
1: to try and get it. But... Oh, really? Yeah, yeah I, I actually didn't look into that. But, <laughs> but this, while I cut my teeth on, uh, largely from a comic standpoint, on you know kind of the X-Men, more traditional uh, uh, Marvel superhero fare, Something about this story just really lodges deep for me. And hear me. I'm not even going to go off on some tangent and mine some super deep thematic stuff on this. It's, it's actually pretty. It's not shallow, but its themes are pretty right there. Yeah, um, of course. And so it's not, I'm not even prepping us for that. It's more just the weird, like I just said, uh, previous to the patron segment of Halloween, like a warm blanket, something about queuing this up just put me back. In 13-year-old me at the Columbus Book Exchange, uh, out close to the, what's now the Riverwalk, and it's musty and like a warehouse, and there's just lines and lines of long boxes of comics, and just remember, I don't even think I actually read it in total at that point in time, but it just had that sort of effect, jumping back into it. And, you know, that will maybe portend a bit of my where I land in terms of the recommendation factor, but it's just a... I haven't withheld much lately, so I was I, I was about to catch myself. It's just a badass piece of work. It is so <laughs> cool, and I don't yeah. Oh, yeah. totally know how to quantify it, except it's just friggin' cool. Um, and so to me, and so I was really excited to kind of jump back into this, and I'm curious because Reed, I actually thought about asking you this, Beckley. You're our guest. We will get to you. You also know, jump in when you can. But, um, Reed, I thought I don't know if Reed's ever seen this, and I. Um, Maybe yesterday, maybe two days ago, because I last night uh, I rewatched scenes. I did not rewatch the whole thing. But mm. Kind of, you know, I, the, my watch for this was probably close to a week ago at this point. So I really wanted to refresh some of those visuals. Um, but I literally texted or typed to text you. I don't know if you've seen this uh, mm. and then just deleted it. I was like, no, I like finding this kind of stuff out uh, on the fly. <laughs> so, you know, I, I really am totally ignorant as, as to your familiarity or awareness or affection sure. or appreciation for this material.
3: Okay. Um, this, th- uh, I'll keep it as brief as possible. I wasn't possible. asking.
1: I don't want you to, there was no question. About <laughs> no, no, i just gonna What it, do you have to we're, share? We're just going <laughs> to leave it a mystery. <laughs> just, just like, better, better to just not know the thing. Um,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, TMI, I will say as a, as a broad sweeping statement, uh, that for many, many years, my affections for anime as a genre, Were muted at best for a large, large period of time, whether it be Studio Ghibli stuff, some icons in like anime series like, uh, you know, Evangelion and, uh, you know, uh, Pokemon and so many other things. They just did not land with me. It wasn't my speed. It wasn't my language. It wasn't something that I really strongly connected to. I had seen uh, three specific pivotal works in an effort to try to see like, well, what's the deal about this? Let me watch the, the peaks of the genre and see, and this was around high school. Uh, let me watch the peaks of the genre and see what I can ascertain. So I watched ghost in the shell. I watched Akira. And then several years later, I did the same thing for spirited away. Um, and first viewing of each of those films left me very tepid. I did not Mm. get it. First viewings of each of those films, ghost in the shell, akira and spirited away i was like what is the big deal i kind of don't understand the big deal uh ladies and gentlemen uh podcast listeners around the world i was wrong and i do not know what was going on in my brain or uh, brain or mind at the time i have since revisited each of those three films ghost in the shell completely separate to to podcast coverage I, i watched ghost in the shell a few years ago and it honestly just just Blew my mind. I I don't know what about life and times and my sensibilities have shifted in that time frame, but Ghost in the Shell is now uh, a favorite film of mine. I love that that film. Um, and then we covered Spirited Away, which was a good chance to revisit that. And then this was my second time seeing Akira to get to the long way to, y- sure. to answer your question. Yeah. It was my second time seeing Akira. And this was my opportunity for the reassessment of this material. How do I feel about it? What do I think? Um, and you know, forecasting a little bit for where we're going. Yes, I, I was wrong about this one as well. I, I loved this this time around. I was very caught up in it. I was uh, I do still find certain aspects of this intimidating um, and and there are still certain things about it that uh, particularly surrounding the last 10 to 15 minutes of it. Sure. Yeah. that i'm still kind of trying to 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 grapple with to a degree and um, we can talk about that we can get into that when 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 the time comes but for the huge bulk of its runtime i mean this is a 2 hour and 5 minute movie for a tremendous amount of its runtime i was just glued to the screen and kind of mesmerized by what i was seeing i, mm-hmm. I, I you said earlier you know and and it definitely deserves this you know landmark in the field of animation I'd maybe even say landmark in the field of science fiction and, and uh, huh. action thriller stuff, just regardless of medium of animation. This is a high concept, propulsively crafted story that just works. It just yeah. – it, it, everything about it just works. So, yeah, happy well, to be and, wrong on this.
1: And to your point, like um, – and then pivoting to you, Herbeckley, but um, – Dog on it. I was gonna uh, state it was about the propulsive nature, uh sort of that reassessment factor. It just moves. It is kinetic, mm-hmm. yeah. it is mesmerizing. Yeah. Um and I forgot the main point I was gonna go for, so I'm gonna pivot to you, Beckley, and actually ask you, because my care is deep for you, that uh what um that was a, a subtle shade that you read, but I do care deeply uh, for no, you no, as well. No, no. Um I felt uh it. Beckley, okay. I know at least from I think your um, you know, your time on covering demon city, at least I think some affection, appreciation for this genre, you know, where did Akira sit for you uh, in, in your intake there?
2: Yeah, I do definitely have affection for this genre of anime or Japanese animation, but uh, I, I can't say that I have a, a deep knowledge of the genre as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. I think I got in, my in was the studio Ghibli and mm-hmm. Hayao Miyazaki. Mm-hmm. Yep. I have seen most of, I, I could say most of, of that studio's big movies, um, especially the ones that were redubbed with, uh, with the, the, the Disney-led American actors. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I saw Akira for the first time, I think it was around 2007 or so, uh, when I was getting Netflix DVDs by mail.
3: Oh. Um those halcyon days. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> and I saw it once then and I remember really liking it, but, uh, I don't think, I don't think I would say that I loved it at the time. And I had a lot of question marks in my head as I still do. Um, mm. um, and then I, the, when I saw it for, for now, I saw it twice in the last week. Uh, and I'm, I'm blown away by the, uh, especially by the artistic value of the movie and, uh, yeah. I mean, every every scene is, is like a painting really and I'm just blown away about mm. that it's it's all hand-drawn animation and I, I know that uh, uh, Japanese animation all the studios there with with manga and and anime and they were really competing with with the United States and with uh, with Disney first and foremost at the time and they were c- trying to come up with some way to to uh, break in the, the worldwide audience and the American audience and um, and akira was the film that really led to that break in and and let everybody take notice
1: Uh, well it's it's funny little trivial bit that i don't know if you all caught this but i can't remember if it's the only animated film or if it's the only anime i can't recall i want to say only animated but uh, my memory's pretty fuzzy right now um we'll go with that because it sounds better uh (laughs) the only animated film to have been given the Criterion treatment, uh, circa Ooh. Laserdisc. Uh, I did hear that too. Yeah, at least it was the seven. first. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I heard that Fantastic Mr. Fox has
2: since then. Mm-hmm. Yes, maybe first. Animated? Maybe that's it. That that yeah. might
1: be it, Beckley. I, this is what we have you on for to check us. Um, but also, I think, and we're gonna we're gonna pivot into because we we haven't Beckley inclusive of you. We have another guest here. Um, I think something that makes this work more than perhaps uh, it should perhaps than it could perhaps than it's, it's peers is the, the architect of the manga Katsuhiro Otomo, is also the writer and director of the film. So mm. you can kind of see where more than maybe anyone else, uh, uh in, in translating a thing is going to have the ability to, and I, I really don't know what's, get le- what gets left out of the manga into yeah, it, this it's form. similar
2: to say, uh, like game of Thrones where, uh, mm the The uh, source material wasn't finished at the time that the, the yeah, movie was yeah. made. Yeah, it was like another year wow. or two
1: uh, before the final issues released. But he actually finished it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Fair point. That's a whole what? What does it say about you as a listen? Hey, give give you you, you make a, a a cash machine. Go for it. But what does it kind of say about you creatively when it's like, well? Akira oh, well. actually started, I think, in 1982, What? Became... "Song of Ice and Fire."
2: No, Akira. Oh, Yeah, oh, okay. the the, uh, the the manga, the
1: comic. Mm-hmm. Wow. It started in 1982 like 90, and it I think, finished it at finished. some point after uh, the movie. Yep. Yeah. Um. So we do have an additional guest here because you know there are some there are some just killer signature elements to this movie. Uh, I would cite. Um, from a production standpoint the the sound design is just killer love it um but it for me might feature one of the most iconic visual designs of a motorcycle on film and so you know um, occasionally we get emails via the website and you know this guy kind of lurks and 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 I think he heard we were going to be doing this film and and submitted uh, more than just uh, Canada's bike in this film, and, and wanted to offer other bikes in cinema history, other scenes with bikes. Uh, we'll we'll let him uh kind of I would say run, but but ride into um you know his that's right, ladies and gentlemen, uh Lackey the listicle, my occasionally listless list making Lackey, welcome back to the show.
0: Hi everybody.
1: Oh, Oh, I miss you. Welcome back. (laughs) Welcome back.
3: Yeah, this is uh, this is fun. So, listen, we—I'm excited to talk about Akira. So we are we are going to talk about Akira, Uh, or I should say, I'm excited to you know step out of the way and let Reed talk about Akira. But um, Mm -hmm. that's right. So, so, but when I heard you were doing Akira, I was like, you know what? Uh, So, so it should be noted. Uh, the list that I'm about to present to you is objective. This is the definitive list. Okay. This oh,
1: there, 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 there's, there's I not expect nothing list. less okay? from you. Right? Right? <laughs>
3: um, And, uh, and
1: certifiable <laughs> empirical. That's objective right. This, this truth. This, yes,
3: this is factually correct. Um, and then the, the, uh, other thing that should be noted is, is, uh, these are, these are bicycle scenes. So these are, these are not motorcycle scenes. Akira mm. has the coolest, uh, uh, I, I would I would say possibly even Peak and Number One, uh, the coolest little like that a little Akira slide where he just like glides mm-hmm. into a slide. Like that's just it's it's unparalleled. It's the Tesla so, slide. Or, I'm sorry, yeah. the Canada slide. Yeah. yeah, the Canada slide. So basically <laughs> uh but 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 the scenes I'm going to describe are, are for bicycles. They don't they don't have motors. Uh okay. they they are only for bicycles. So uh yeah. so I have I have wow. four, okay? I have four okay. that these are these are the ones. These are the four. And you're uh, film, not TV, right? And it's just film, just film. Okay. Yeah. So, But these are the
1: four, uh, unqualified. Is it bikes or scenes and bikes? Uh, they,
3: they're scenes that involve bikes. You cannot think <laughs> okay. of the scene without the okay. bike. You cannot think of the bike without right. the scene. Go these are it. scenes that involve bikes, okay? I have a fifth one, but I'm not willing to throw my weight around the fifth being definitive. So I'm just going to skip it, okay. and we're going to do the top four, Okay. Number four uh, is is the one, the only. Look, the whole plot of the film revolves around this man's affection for mm-hmm. his bike. It is Pee Wee Francis making his peewee <laughs> doing his fancy wheelies because he sees the other people doing the wheelies and he's riding his bike through town. And then all of a sudden, he just he just he's he just crashes that bike. Goes tumbling head over heels into the lawn in front of him and just like hops right up like a pogo and says, I meant to do that. (laughs) (laughs) It is, uh, oh my God, I love that movie so much. It's, it's it's, it's one of the best. You know, I've got to throw in here
1: because when Lucky the Listicals on, it just jogs my memory and I like sharing things. Is, uh, for Father's Day, a Father's Day during COVID, I can't remember exactly when, my wife bought me a new bicycle and I, uh, posted to Instagram a sequence of four photos and it was like, Hooray! New bike. Let's check it out I'm with the kids and their bikes. Well, mm, I intentionally mm. embedded in that sequence of photos a picture of Pee Wee with his feet up on the <laughs> handlebar. <laughs> it's so great, it's so great. Oh, oh it's, man, it's great. wonderful. Yeah, and I mean, okay, like, cool.
3: yeah, and that. I mean, that has a lot more energy in the fact that the entire plot line of Pee Wee's Big Adventure is a boy reclaiming yeah. his bike. So yeah, it's a, it's it's pretty pivotal to that. Um. So number three, okay. Number three. Is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it is Miss Gulch riding that bicycle in the cyclone? You know, like she's well. First of all, when she kidnaps Toto, but it's Mrs. Gulch's bike is number three. Uh She's she's kidnapped Toto and she's running away. But then later, when poor Dorothy gets sucked up into the cyclone in Wizard of Oz, she still sees Miss Gulch there riding that bike in the cyclone. Just yeah. and of course that that bike transforms into you know in very 1939 hollywood movie magic <laughs> c- composite uh scenes transforms into the broom and the wicked witch of the west so uh, so yeah that is that is number three is miss gulch okay so so that's number three number two if i'm gonna get any pushback on this list it'll be number two oh but i but i assure you this is definitive okay
1: so you you forecasted potential pushback and yet you put those other two lower oh absolutely Absolutely, yes. Yeah,
3: I sure enough did. Um, Because listen, Miss Gulch is iconic, but the song is called Couldn't We Ride? Side by Side. Is there anything better in movie magic moments than in The Great Muppet Caper? When you start off with Miss Piggy and Kermit riding their bicycles around, puppeteer free. Like, this is not the age of CGI. There are no, uh, like, this is movie magic trickery. Miss... Piggy and Kermit are riding their bikes in a cyclone, and that is only the beginning because then they are joined by a multitude of muppets, all without their visible respective puppeteers riding their bicycles down the road it I mean it is movie magic it is amazing that you have these muppets it is the embodiment of these muppets are not uh hand controlled puppets they are living entities in the movie magic world which is the conceit of every muppet film so uh yes uh, the the great Great muppet Muppet
2: caper caper right yeah
3: that's from the great muppet caper there is a bike scene in muppet movie there is a bike scene in that but it is not as expansive and as involved as the great muppet caper in great muppet caper literally miss piggy and kermit do uh uh, not wheelies, but they do cycles around each other in the scene, and it's it's just incredible I, to see. I still I don't know think how I've they
2: seen do that it. since I was a kid, but I might have to oh, dial it up on. Disney it's Plus. wonderful, yeah,
3: it's wonderful, it's absolutely wonderful. So that's my number two is the great okay. Muppet Caper Thank big bike know what scene. One is. Couldn't we ride? Okay. Listen, it's it's the emblem of an entire studio. Okay. When yep. you think when you think bicycles mm. in movie history, there is only one answer, and that is the magic, the mystery, the wonder of elliot riding his bike with et in the basket in front of him and then they literally begin to fly. They fly in front of the moon, they soar through the air. This this is an iconic image because and i'll tell you why it works because when you are riding on the bicycle, there is a brief sensibility when your imagination just kind of goes and you're just kind of flying. If you are Riding at a groove, riding at a pace. Yes, you're pedaling. Yes, you're on the ground. But there is this sensibility that you are kind of that you could take off if you wanted to. That that bliss, that glee of just like riding on that bicycle kind of thing. And so Elliot with E. T. in the front is the 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 personification of all of that. And so that is the greatest bicycle in all of cinema history. I dare anybody to find a bike moment greater than E. T. that would top it.
1: Okay, I can live with that. Uh, it is funny. I, I want to throw this story in here before, Listicle, you, you part ways with us. But mm, mm-hmm. so for Christmas 2021, I assembled some funds and did get a Peloton. I am that person. Yeah. Um, ah, oh. And recently, just a couple nights ago, was doing a ride on there that was a Florence in the Machine ride. And mm. um, I joked that with my wife. I said, you know what? I feel like so. Any any Florence heads out here will understand. Um, there's something magical, mythical about her music, especially when, because this is not typically the case. We're usually just driving, listening to music or whatever. But when your body's moving, right, to mm-hmm. an exercise regimen mm-hmm. associated with the material, y'all, I thought like Elliot and E.T., I was just going to take off <laughs> on that bike, soaring straight out of my house. You know, just, <laughs> just take me uh, is the experience I had listening to that Florence uh, right, so yes, bikes are fun. Listen to Florence Listicle. Thank you for your time. You don't want to I give everybody. your uh, honorable mention. Oh, so I will not cite this as
3: definitive. So if if, if there's pushback, <laughs> that's fine. But this is the fifth one that I that I came to. I won't rank this as definitive. But okay. I had I had to mention because it is quoted so much in the conversation about bikes. um Is uh, ever take it on any sweet jumps? from napoleon dynamite uh, where <laughs> you know where pedro rides his bike and just clearly makes that little but then of course when napoleon tries it it does not go as well <laughs> so uh, so that's i wouldn't i wouldn't feel comfortable saying that is definitively number five right, right. but it did but it did it did peak and uh and and if i was going to name another one it was going to be that one but the first the, the top four i feel pretty pretty strong okay. about but
1: but yeah that was my no, number that's, five that's a- that's a fair list. Appreciate you. You. Listicle. Appreciate, appreciate it. the work you do to provide for the list makers of the world. Uh, definitive <laughs> objective. Yeah,
2: it's a very read
1: list too. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love Who? it.
3: Right. <laughs> oh, no, no, uh, yeah.
1: Well, we'll see you next time listicle and let's do this. Let's, uh, I'm going to give a brief summary of this film. Uh, and mm-hmm. then if it's okay, we'll go into it. That ain't Right. Um, which yep. of which there's some decent stuff in here. Um, <laughs> and so at a certain point, the summary of the movie is at, at one time, pretty straightforward and direct, also pretty bonkers. Uh, but loosely, uh, arm- nuclear Armageddon has taken place in the year 1988. We flash forward to 2019, I think. Yep.
0: Yeah, I think
1: um, uh, thirty-one years later. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh post kind of World War Three, apocalyptic desolation, um, and you've got these biker gangs. Uh, uh One of which is our kind of heroes, Canada and Tetsuo, uh, and their peers. Um, but interestingly, it's all against this backdrop of uh, government and societal and spiritual upheaval and turmoil. Like you are just dropped into this world and kind of left to get your bearings. It's not terribly difficult because strangely, some of this is pretty, you know, direct uh, for some of what we might see in the real world. Uh, but a, a fateful night, uh, Tetsuo, who he and Canada are longtime friends from childhood, uh, but have a, a rivalry that starts to explode by the films end, attention, a rivalry. Uh, um, Tetsuo gets in a car in a uh, motorcycle accident And there's some mystical somethings that start to happen. He gets kind of abducted and subjected to this uh, um, story thread of experimentation, paranormal psychic events, while in he meets these three um, sort of children, but uh, they're humans, but uh, their own breed of psychic beings. Mm-hmm. Um, this is all sort of layered on top of it is this mythical Akira that good luck totally explaining this, but <laughs> um, is kind of this, this uh, religious mythic figure uh, that we are not privy to at the events when the film starts. Um, and so this experimentation is trying to either recreate or tap into what the movie starts to term absolute energy. So if you're thinking and haven't seen this, wow, this is getting wild. Yes. And, and that's barely <laughs> touching does. the surface, but the basic through line is childhood friends. One starts to, uh, one gets abducted and experimented on and the inherent rivalry they always kind of had becomes the conflict driving uh, the latter parts of the film. Um, but it gets, it gets pretty wackadoo by the end you know uh, new universes maybe giant bulbous babies maybe like it is it is wild uh but in most ways quite awesome as well so that is uh a pretty loose summary
2: genre classification it seems like it's meant to be a a sci-fi action film but there's Mm -hmm. definite scenes of horror in it as well i would say
1: uh, no oh, question sure. about it yeah, yeah. absolutely S- absolutely S- speaking of horror using our typical uh, sort of metric by which we gauge these things it is time for the part of the show gentlemen where we discuss those things of which it might be said not just are wrong but that ain't right that ain't right
3: Sure as hell, ain't right.
1: Okay, uh, Beckley, you are our guest. Um, there's True. there's a there's a healthy True. amount of stuff here, so we don't I don't unless Reed, you want to I don't feel the need to to literally just do one and go. But uh, if you were to pick one, Beckley, as like signature, this is my that ain't right for the film Akira. What would you maybe identify there?
2: Uh, um, the one that comes to mind first, and uh, I, I would guess or assume that you guys might have it on your list too is the scene where uh, tetsuo is is in his uh his hospital room at at the government facility and uh he sees oh my sees gosh these, these three toys come up oh, and oh, <laughs>
1: milky bear is what and, i call it yeah them.
2: Oh at first God. they're little they're tiny and they're on his bed and, and he grabs them and they disappear and then later and then, oh i guess just a moment later they start to come back uh giant in in the room and, and the one that comes first is the the teddy bear i call it the drippy teddy bear yeah, it's and, jacked uh, up, <laughs> and there's a rabbit, and then a car, like a like a toy car, mm-hmm. and, and they 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 drip this white liquid, and he later finds out it's milk. I think he actually tastes on it. The yeah, dog, it splashes his yeah. mouth. and he slurps you. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, Beckley. How does that sound you name? got it. <laughs> you did it. You no, you did. You oh go. man, it's in stereo it. now. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> it. Who am I to show you how to do it? Because you just executed beautifully. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Yes.
2: Re- yes. Recurring drippy, monster hallucinations. Then I mean, we find out that it's actually the uh the, the three ESP the espers, the mm-hmm. three, yeah three kids and making themselves look like that to to him. But Ooh. it's yeah. like it's like a flood. I guess the car, which is the the what do you call it, the boss baby? One of them, and he—he uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he just sort of a flood of milk comes out. Ugh, mm-hmm.
3: so gross. That's number one on my list as well. Was Ted's you know, like little
2: bit of score that comes in when they first walk into the room? It's just like creepy. It's yes. super right, creepy. Right, right. The whole little
1: right, right, right. yeah. tinkling. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Ooh, oh my god. Reed. What's your it right?
3: Okay, so. I, I wasn't joking that my number my number one on the list was giant milk bleeding teddy bear is how I as I wrote Ugh. it. Um, so I'll go so I'll go with the the second one on my list, which is um, basically I'll call it. Uh, uh, I don't know Pokemon terminology, but when Tetsuo evolves into bulbous form, yeah, Bulbasaur, yeah, Bulbasaur, when he just begins to bloat up uh, oh God, uncontrollably so and and just and then it just. It just keeps going. I mean, it's already one thing when his arm shoots out clayface style and just starts starts mm-hmm. like you know just uh, uh sucking up everything that's in it. But then literally like when he just keeps getting so big, and it's kind of a it's got a kind of a absurdist tragic tragedy to it as well because he oh, like yeah. doesn't he cry out in that moment like help oh, me yeah. you know like yeah. and it's just, it's just like he's completely. Uh, out of control of this thing that has taken him over and this these powers and his union with the other uh sort of objects around him are now just have reached critical mass and that whole sequence and the people getting sucked up in it. There's one particular moment I want to mm-hmm. highlight when for me is when uh is is when oh gosh, I know uh Canada's girl is Kay or the one that he's interested right. in. Cowrie. Uh Cowrie is the other one. Yeah. Yep. So when Kauri is in there uh-huh. and then all of a sudden as it's closing in oh. and you just see, yeah, there's a pop and you just see blood just oh, so like, it's just, oh, oh, it's so gross. Yeah, it's R. just, R. Uh-huh.
1: yeah, R.I.P. indeed. Yeah, I just, well, that whole thing. I think, yeah. you know, something that's so fascinating to me about this movie is I use the word already, that kinetic energy, but also that there's this very like visceral, tactile, like, you that moment, you kind of feel it You're like, oh yeah, I agree. <laughs> oh, my God, that's so nasty. Uh, yeah. What I'm watching is is the height of grotesque and absurd. But I actually yeah, I think feel it's, it's
2: supposed to be like a visual representation of his power being bigger than the human body. And, yeah.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, and it's the absolute you john energy. mayer song
2: bigger than my body wow Ooh, okay. it's, yeah it's, i'm sure oh, that's man, what so mr <laughs> otomo
1: or otomo-san had on his mind when he was crafting the story so i'm gonna tag on to your bulbous form here your bulbous are um well actually no because that's you you said it when calorie gets popped um uh yeah sorry we to said I, steal, giant, I
3: steal all your stuff
1: no no it's okay so so I knew going into the rewatch, you know, my rewatch for the first time in 20 years or whatever, I knew the the bulbous baby form that Tetsuo Mm. inhabits by the end of the movie. So I'm kind of anticipating that what I'd forgotten. That is, there's this momentary thing that signals. Oh snap. Like, what are we getting into here? And it's when it's when Tetsuo has escaped somehow. And, uh, he's he's kind of abducted uh Canada's bike. Um you know, uh Kauri gets roughed up in this particular scene, which is terrible in and of itself, but yeah. Tetsuo starts having these mental this mental anguish. I mean he is Ooh, he is being yeah. His, his sort of uh, the psychic phenomena is just like b- berating him and, and, and hammering him. And there's this moment, I don't know if y'all remember this, where he's, he's tottering away, he's clutching his head, he's sweating. And then there's an angle from under the street and the, the ground starts crumbling beneath him. Well, then you cut to above and there's this flash. He falls to his knees and his guts just fall yeah. out onto the ground and the immediate next shot is everyone watching him and him trying to nothing's there. Him trying to put his entrails back in. It is yeah. it is that moment where you're like, hmm yeah, this is gonna get weird.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is gonna get nasty. <laughs> this is gonna get weird.
2: Yeah, that um, scene.
3: Good good call out on that scene. Yeah, you realize
2: that, it's just a hallucination, but you also know this is just the
1: beginning. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's that's exactly um, right. Hmm. any final that ain't right before we maybe head into some more you know elements of the film
3: no because i'm actually when we when we come out of this segment i'm eager to talk about a couple of things that i I don't know about that so that's so right but just like just really cool so yeah yeah Yeah. nothing else on there that ain't right so
1: let's uh let's that that has been another installment of that ain't right that sure as hell ain't right all right what what you got what are some just well, we can and what sounds we, like there's some cool factors
3: to you yeah if we it's, if we have some other things to, to or, you know like if you guys have some things on your list that would comparable I'm happy to yield but I, I wrote down a few things no, and literally this is the, this is just all I wrote down is just like these scenes are just cool that's literally what my note says these scenes are just cool um, the the first one number one for me is when the big tanker in the in the city street. You know, it blasts away and, and there's this huge like explosion of things going on and the music kind of revs up at this moment and then in the middle of this big orange kind of flash. Tetsuo just sort of rises up. It's his, mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of coming into his own moment where he just sort of rises up in the middle of that thing. And even the guy in the um, tank is like, "Right, yeah, yeah, yeah." Uh, that's the that's the thing, yeah. yeah. And and uh, even the guy in the tank is like, "Wait, we're shooting at a kid." I mean, just yeah. it, mm-hmm. the the energy around that moment is just electric. And just Tetsuo just comes in, wraps that that mm-hmm. red cloth mm-hmm. around himself, and just starts cleaning house. Like I was came. like, "Oh yeah. my god, this that is just." freaking cool um but then also i wrote down it's the second thing on the list is and these didn't happen in the order of the film this is just as i was making notes sure. just coming back to mind um in the tunnels versus the 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 military mm-hmm. guys when the military guys kind of try to get the better of him and he's just like uh <laughs> no thank you <laughs> just like begins to completely clean house with them um it's just again Tetsuo is a is a tragic figure in this story, Mm -hmm. but so much of before his power becomes truly and uh, in the in the film literally, you know, bigger than his body. um, There's just some really really cool and energetic fight scenes. I had observed uh, in the patron segment when we were talking with Jess about like a lot of times it's the inner and I'm I'm reluctant to call Tetsuo a villain. I don't think it's that simple in a story like this. But uh, a lot of times it's the the heft of the villain or the threat that gives the conflict its energy. Like, what are you up against? And do you really believe that this is an insurmountable force or a difficult-to-overcome force? And this film nails that with Tetsuo. It starts, to your point earlier, Nathan, starts small with the whole his hallucinations and everything. But then just as he begins to come into his own, it just builds in intensity uh in some pretty incredible ways the last thing that i wrote down is just as a uh, super cool is uh, when he kind of flies up to the soul station
0: mm-hmm. he's just
3: and just that imagery where he's like walking it gave me kind of this really cool anti you, nathan you and i talked about this uh afterwards about it by text but just like that cool like anti-Superman vibes where it's just like he's wearing the red cape so it's got that kind of imagery connected to it but you know he's up on the space station and is just again mopping the floor with anything and everything that stands in his way and I just some of the some of those visuals I think the fact that this film is 35 years old and those visuals are still as affecting as they are is a true testament to the craft that this film has in its in its arsenal, it's it's really really incredible and just like uh, you use the term badass, Nathan, totally appropriate. Yes. That is that is what these scenes are.
1: Um, Beckley, now that Reed has taken all of the cool things, would <laughs> do you have any you want to <laughs> any like just oh, yeah. these are parts of the film that you just thought this is and Reed awesome. was
2: just mentioning the uh, like how it's a film that's set in the future of when it was made. And we've now just gone beyond that in real life in terms sure. of the, the, the number of the year that we're in. Um, and it's interesting how the, uh, the world building that they do, it doesn't seem like we've gone much beyond that in terms of like uh, mm. human technology or well, there's a few things. I mean, they had those uh, those hovercraft that flew around. I don't think we have that quite yet, yeah. but uh, yeah. um, I mean, we do have drone technology, so it's not too far mm-hmm. afield. Um, and, the architecture is a little futuristic, but no, it's not, it's not even like the level of Blade Runner even, even even it makes us, it made me think of Blade Runner in a few places like that, that government building, that big glowy yellow one that they were in made me think Mm -hmm. of Blade Runner. Um, but yeah, that was, that was, and the motorcycles are a little bit futuristic, but not much. Um. I, I really loved the uh, the score of the movie. I think that was mentioned oh, before. God, it's so both good. The score and the sound design.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah
2: that, that percussive theme. I think it's actually called Canada's theme. Um, mm-hmm. When they're first having that bike chase in the, in the beginning of the movie, that's that's the theme that goes over it. It's very percussive. Sounds like a marimba or something like that. So great. Um, and then there's these vocals that come over it. Um, and then any any time they do sounds like the artillery, the guns, or the machinery sound, it sounds so hyper realistic to me. Um, well,
1: it's funny. It's funny you you kind of touched on some stuff there, and and just one, the design of the film is so considered. It's so like lived in. Um, and Reed and I were texting um, after watching it, and what's wild and maybe why we can sometimes say okay this thing truly is unique and different is you know your impulse when you're watching a really well realized older thing from an animation style is like huh i wonder what it'd be like to try to live action this thing and i was like no you you can nothing could be done to pull off what they visually execute in this movie it would it would just Read as kind of like, yeah, we live action to Akira. It's like, well, Mm I, I just, I am not convinced they'd be able, or that it'd be a worthwhile endeavor to try to live action this film. It's too wild because
2: they've done that before with with other anime, such as Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell,
1: yeah. Um, Mm -hmm.
2: And it's like, I think that that landed with a thud, and everyone was like, why do you even bother? Mm
3: -hmm. No, well, and and to your point, Steve, to to both of your points. So Nathan, you've said this about Akira. You're absolutely right. Steve, you bring up Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell is kind of the proof of concept that you should not do this because Ghost in the Shell has all of the powers of CG technology at its disposal, and it's still not as electric as that original film. Now, I said earlier that I'm now at this point in my life very, very partial to Ghost in the Shell. Would love to cover it at some point if we get the opportunity. I I love that film. But yeah, like the energy is just not the same. It's not as electric. It's not as vibrant. um, And I absolutely agree with you, Nathan. If they tried to do something like that with Akira, it would cheapen it. It wouldn't cheapen the original film's power. Right. Yeah. But it would cheapen what you were trying to do because there's a certain degree to where the imaginative quality Mm -hmm. that you don't have to suspend disbelief on animation because your brain has already done that work. Anything that you see on screen is true and real. But if it's live action, you're constantly having to fight that. Is this real? Uh, that's a that's a fabrication or whatever. And it's just uh, it, it it would it would just completely dilute. No, there the are the power things in this in, in
2: the script of the movie, um, c- certain scenes or, or certain aspects of the world um, that I think might be quibbles in my mind. That mm. I think if I knew more about. Uh, Japanese history or culture I mean I've I've gotten sort of crash courses now and then but if I even had a deeper knowledge of it uh maybe they wouldn't be quibbles and and they would they would shed more light on on the overall meaning of the film Mm -hmm. such as they have some some scenes of politics uh where there's like a boardroom and and, uh, all the leaders are talking for a while And this if the scene had been much longer it would have been maybe more of more of a quibble or, or more of an even uh legitimate uh strike against the movie Um, it made me think of like Star Wars, the Phantom Menace, when there's (laughs) politics. (laughs) Um, yes,
1: trade rounds and taxation, that that
2: exact scene that I'm, that I'm thinking of, it was followed soon after by the, the, the teddy bear Milky scene.
1: (laughs) yeah, well, and, um, if I had to guess, and it's been years since I've done reading on the influences of this franchise, if I had to guess, the Wachowskis were deeply influenced by a movie like this. Uh, I think specifically of the third original trilogy Matrix film. This just kind of embarking on this wild, you know, metaphysical, apocalyptic kind of dialogue the movie is interested in. Um, so, it if I had to wager a guess, that's probably as close as you could get visually to executing something like this in live action. Um, anyway, so that, I don't know. Matrix came to it mind. It made me think uh, of
2: the Wachowski. They did, did the uh, cloud Atlas movie too. Yeah. Yep. Asian scene. Yeah. Movie.
1: Um, so real quick, and then we can, you know, pick up some thematic threads if we want to. But uh, if, if I were naming some just loves, like there's the bike, the jacket, like the score, the, just that showdown by the end. Uh, not bulbous Tetsuo, but <laughs> um, pre that scene when when he and Canada, Canada has the um, the laser, the super laser, and he's mm-hmm. tracking mm-hmm. him, chasing him down. And there's, there's just this really lovely cat and mouse that's happening there that is just so cool. Um, and uh, uh, I checked myself here because even I watching it this time around, I was like, where did he get that thing? what This is so random for him to have it. But when <laughs> I was rewatching scenes, not 10 minutes prior to that, the soldiers on the bridge are using those lasers to try to fire it at Tetsuo. And so I was like, oh, okay. He just picked one yeah. up on the way. I can, I can live mm. with that. Yeah. um, But no, I, I love the showdown again. I think if we were to camp out heavily on the end, the end, you know, we might kind of lose our path, but
3: can <laughs> I, can I, can I mention something yeah. about that? And I, I am nowhere near close to understanding the ending. So that's not what I'm about to attempt, but there were certain things visually and conceptually that kind of echoed 2001 A Space Odyssey for me. Oh. Like that was – that. I wonder – tell you what I would love to do, and maybe this stuff is out there because this film, again, is 35 years old and there's probably lots of think pieces. I would love to read like a really smartly written, thoughtful sort of somebody with a good, rich film history who can kind of dissect that ending and somebody kind of to the point you were making earlier, Steve, who's, who's more uh, richly versed in the culture specifically and what would inform – the storytelling at play, I would love to hear some unpacking about that ending because I don't feel that it's something I... I'll say it this way. It's not that I don't like it. I feel like I'm not literate enough in the language of that film to understand what it's aiming for. And I bet with somebody who was be able to sort of connect some dots for me, I might have a stronger and greater appreciation for what it is. Because it's not that I dislike it. It's just the last 15 minutes, they just kind of lost me because I couldn't keep pace with the language. I remember
1: when it finishes and it's just like, Hmm. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. So I just wanted to comment about that. Yeah. 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 No, I appreciate that. So, so let's, you know, I really did rack my brain a little bit on this movie. I think there's places you can go, uh, but largely this is a movie about social upheaval. And so from Mm. that, regard is is pretty direct you know there's it's it's not um well the end notwithstanding which again might have more layers to it that i can kind of apprehend there but i think for me if i had any major thematic takeaway it's it's what i've already sort of articulated which is at the the core of the story is this really tragic tension and rivalry between these two boys and Mm. just how Mm. that I don't know if you all have this experience sometimes, but that feeling sometimes that especially people of empathy like the three of us and, and our listeners try to be in the world and this this way in which it's like, well, you know, we should really we should find ways to forgive atrocity from the individual, because the individual is is broken and and, and sad and and sort of yeah broken's the best word i can come up with there and and so i don't mean to say oh we just we give a pass to monstrosity because so much of monstrosity is born of brokenness in an individual but i think what's so hard about watching this story is like these they aren't fake friends like these are actual Peers right. and friends who have been in the trenches of kind of an, an orphanage setting, and I can't remember exactly who's older, but uh, probably Canada to Tetsuo looked out for him over the years, and you know, but also gets his goat up, right? Like we'll yeah. we'll rib him hard. And so there's just this really, I by no means do I think Canada is the villain because of that, nor to your point, Reed, do I think even Tetsuo is the true villain of this. Um, there are, there are systems working against these two guys and their friendship, um, that take on a pretty metaphysical bent, of course, but I just, to me, that's the anchor point. To me, it was, okay, this is interesting. And, and I do think the film does well by that. Um, Uh, this sadness, this, tragedy of these two guys inability to uh uh, reconcile because tetsuo has been imbued with this grand power that his pain uh uh, catalyzes into abuse right to others so anyway point being this i'm i'm uh, uh going off a bit here but i think what i'm trying to say is i don't think it's as simple as well we always take responsibility for we who aren't the ones who did the monstrosity should always take responsibility for the fact that monstrosity ended up happening because somehow we influenced that. But at the same time, I do think, damn, you know, like these guys, what what could have been different? What could have interceded? Uh, and, and at a certain point, Tetsuo is too far gone, so it doesn't matter. But what could have been that intercessor interceding agent to, <laughs> to pull him back from abuse of this power? Anyway, thats I don't have a ton to kind of run on with that, but it's just something that, that really stuck with me as my emotional hook into the film because it does get so crazy.
3: Well, and and I think, it, and again, I already set up that a lot of the language of the, the last 10 to 15 minutes is a bit lost on me, but you, t- you talk about that, um, the birth of a universe thing there is a certain degree to where, and this is what connected to me, sort of pivoting off of what you talked about, about the dissolving of some of those relationships mm-hmm. and, and and the way we're kind of given a portrait of how those things have fractured and sort of fallen apart. And I think there was a, a rich nugget that you described there that we can maybe come back to or, or, or not if we don't want to about culpability, about our own culpability and certain sure. things. But uh, it's not lost on me, though I don't understand the mechanics of it, uh, that one of the final things that, that scientist witnesses... From coming forth from from Akira, I guess is what he what he deems very casually as the birth of a universe. So mm-hmm. so there seems to be this kind of interplay with as something is dissolving and destroying that there is something else that is emerging and 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 something else that's creating and that concept uh, that th- I'm going to acknowledge for listeners and for co-hosts right now. This is something I'm bringing to Akira. I don't know that Akira is trying to say this, but it is fascinating to me as we think about the nature of things changing in relationship and the nature of things changing in society is that, yes, something is going to sort of be on its way out. Uh, if, if you think of it, this, this is a rudimentary way to for me to sort of enter into this kind of conversation is um, there was a question... <laughs> I was not too long ago, maybe like a a month or so ago, a little over, uh, was hanging out with my wife's family. A lot of us were up there, and and, uh, my mother-in-law had bought this really fun sort of uh, spark conversation game. And you ask little questions, and some of the questions were big questions, some of the questions were bigger questions, and some of the questions were biggest questions. One of the questions that I found really interesting, it said, if you had the choice, would you meet your great-great-great-grandfather or great-grandfather? great great grandchild and the reason there were three greats oh, wow. is because it's mathematically impossible for your lifespan you know unless you unless you, you have just an unnaturally common lifespan and and have these children quickly uh, those three greats mean you're not going to meet that generation so if you had the choice to to meet your predecessor or your or your successor which would which would you meet and so i think about that in terms of what we're talking about with akira is like yeah generations are going to fade away and as those generations fade away, other generations are going to emerge. And there is this transitional thing where as certain things are dissolving and destroying, I mean, this film opens, the very first shot, unadorned by music, unadorned by dialogue, is that big blast in the middle of mm-hmm. Tokyo. And, and, and so the film begins with destruction. I don't think it's insignificant that one of the final things it ends with is the birth of a universe. So it, it begins with destruction, then comes into Birth of a Universe. And I, like you, Nathan, don't have in my pocket right now a substantively uh, concise thing to say about that, but I do find that concept compelling and a bit energizing to recognize, like, yes, as things are destroying, as things are being unmade, there is a making that's happening as well, and that a lot of that is just beyond us, And that, like Tetsuo, we may think that we've, you know, have the ability to control or influence or manipulate, but it quickly swells and grows far beyond what we would ever be able to be capable of controlling, possibly not even of conceiving. But comforting, in my mind, to to remember and to know, as we see so many things in the path of destruction, on the trajectory of destruction— to recognize things are also emerging and growing and 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 may and being made and being born uh, that might interplay with that in some in some potentially hopeful ways because the final thing of the film is Tetsuo's voice like introducing himself where to what <laughs> you know like right. we don't know but but he's not gone I think that's the point like he's not gone he's somewhere else he's he's moved on to something else um, and again I find so, that significant
1: so, but so Beckley here's your work. Uh, so what I posited <laughs> as thematic notion is the small, the dynamic, the relational, these two boys and the trajectory of their lives, uh, you know, breeding apocalyptic conflict. What Reed just put forth is, okay, the metaphysical, uh, uh, the nature of destruction, <laughs> you know, societal, actual cosmic, apocalyptic yes. destruction <laughs> via nuclear <laughs> holocaust uh, uh, dovetailing into metaphysical cosmic new birth into universal you know newness. Do me a favor and bridge those gaps do that Discuss. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Steve. That's what we have you on for. <laughs> I can
2: sort of ramble on with my notes what I have here, but
1: uh, yeah, what's some what's some thoughts I you did have? I could say I don't
2: that? know a, a ton about uh, the history and and the cultural context, but I do have a, a little bit in my notes here about that. Um, I mean, the blast that we saw in the very beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it appears a lot like um, like an atomic bomb
3: yeah
2: what they say later is that it was caused by one of their test subjects akira um and but they they put in, in the in the uh subtitle there that uh it it caused, it caused world war three so even though it was a local mm-hmm. event it must have some influence worldwide or the rest of the world ramifications threatened by it um yeah but then they cut to uh, 30 years later um where where it looks like they're about to host the olympics in 2020 which wow <laughs> yeah, and it yeah, looks like they're going to have to delay the Olympics, which actually happened. So that was a bit strange. Um, um, but Pretty prophetic for thirty years ago. Yeah. But, <laughs> so it's it's about post apocalyptic life, really. Um, and Japan is really the best example in the world of somewhere that experienced an apocalypse with the dropping of the two atomic bombs right. in, in after World mm-hmm. War II, and that it was about forty years. After that, when they, when this movie was made, and less than that, when the manga was starting to be written, um, so it's like I think it's it's like asking the question about what happens when you literally threaten a nation or, or a people with annihilation. Wow, um, yeah. Hmm. See, so you're doing it. You're doing <laughs> it,
1: Beckley. Um, yeah, yeah we'll and, and
2: after after the war, even um, the the Allies, led by the United States, occupied Japan and forbid them from really having. Uh, military um and i know that uh they had an empire really an, em- an emperor led the country and under their their culture and their and their religions of buddhism and shinto that led, that were most popular in the country they, they saw the emperor as as a god really I mean, as a condition yeah, of the yeah. of the uh the end of the war they said they that emperor had to denounce that right Have mm-hmm. never heard about wow. that um so that's, that's really sort of wiping the slate clean and, and saying, okay, build a new culture that doesn't have that as your foundation.
1: Well, wow. and I love that you, yeah, you're, you're the man, uh, <laughs> because while subconsciously much of what you just offered was in my, my brain and past, like, I mean, think about it, like demon city Shinjuku as well. Like so much of the storytelling from Japan is that is imbued with the fear of apocalyptic annihilation, right? Of, of yeah. nuclear annihilation. And that specter, uh, uh, from Hiroshima looms large in their cultural and creative psyche. And so that's, that I love that. Thank and you. you see
2: those, Look those cultists that, that are parading uh-huh. in the movie. And there's one of them that's, that's on a chair. I heard that in the manga, that's more fleshed out than it was in the movie. That's um, right. Oh,
3: interesting. Yeah.
2: But, uh, they're, they're, they're saying they're they're calling him Lord Akira or, or seeing even Tetsuo as the the, the Messiah. And you can see a populism that's coming into play. They, they, it Mm seems like there's a vacuum of culture and and people are are yearning for something more there. Um, and, and I think it's one of the kids in there earlier in the morning, maybe it was the girl kid that was saying that, uh, the, uh, Akira is, represents ultimate power or the power of God. Really. Mm. Absolute Mm -hmm. energy.
3: Yeah. Absolute energy.
1: Well, I love the idea, you know, that this kind of makes me think of Lord of the Rings, actually. I remember in the translation from book to film, Peter Jackson did, at least for Fellowship specifically, um, when they kind of created the theatrical edition of that film, what they chose, because you just kind of couldn't include everything, you, you need a hook. And the hook was Frodo specifically and the ring. And I think about that because what you just said about – what I imagine is a whole lot of fleshing out that the manga does of all these social and civic and religious threads that in, a, in adapting this to film, you've you got to find a through line. You know, if, if you're not doing a, a, a TV series or not doing multiple films, like what is your anchor? And it's it's these two guys relationship. And, and that's pretty cool. And I, I, yeah,
2: it, it was stated in, in do you remember the movie um, Chronicle. Oh Did yeah, this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, this of has that. a lot of echoes of it. At yep. the end, there were the two of the three kids were left, and they were fighting it out with their their superpowers. um yep. mm-hmm. I, And the authors of that movie, uh, I think, it was Josh Trank and uh, uh, Max Landis. <laughs> they were, uh, oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. They both admitted that uh, that this was an influence on that movie. Um, sure. Oh, it's, it's so all it made me think it. of yeah. that movie, but also Jurassic Park, even. Um, with the, uh, mm. just because, well, just because it could is. doesn't mean you, sh- you should, <laughs> didn't, didn't stop to think if you should. Um, I think yeah. The, yeah. and then military man, the colonel and, and the, the head scientist have those discussions throughout the movie. I think it made me think of that where the scientist keeps wanting to push forward, but, but the military man's like, well, that's not my job. My job is a soldier and I, I'm always evaluating risk. Mm. And, and he's, he's always wanting that the, the scientist to say, are you sure this is going to work? Or are you, are you sure we're not taking too much risk here? Um, so I think yeah. there's a lot to say that they have some commentary not just on 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 the societal aspects and, and wiping the slate clean, but it's uh, uh it's also about the chain of command and in government and military and yeah and the breakdown of that even in this case.
3: This is ground zero for things I did not for for more things than I realized. Like you've cited several other things. I mean, you know, we know that it's a a reference of. Stranger things, or that's why we've included it in this mixtape. Uh, I did not remember because I'd only seen it once before. I did not remember that literally they've they've just got numbers for all of these kids, these these espers, you know, like they that that's all it is. They're just they're just numbers to them. And I was like, wow, that is that's straight up Hawkins Lab, you know, like that's that's all this is. And all I we've we've cited several examples here, you especially, Beckley, that's like that's the um. It, it it does seem to have been a template imaginatively for a lot of things that we've seen progress out in more expanded ways or modified ways through culture in the in the past thirty years since it since it emerged. Uh it was profoundly more influential than I realized it was when I saw how many things were in it and just knowing it got there before these other things that are that are more widely known. Um and and I, I will say this. Perhaps as a way to pivot us into the fog meter, um, I would love it. I don't think it. I don't think it's possible. I don't know that it's possible. I would love it if there was, you know, like a really, you know, to use the language of the film, a singularity. You know, a, a sort of single thing that kind of, you know, zones in and says, "Oh, this is what Akira is about." but i also just really love and i say this in full you know fullheartedly i just love that the film is so rich that there are so many different things to focus on we have in a matter of about 15 minutes burst forth with you know like birthing universes we've just burst forth with like so many different things that you could pivot off into and say like well this is worth contemplation and this is worth questioning and this is worth more consideration um this is a akira is a rich vibrant work of craft that i think is just powerfully affecting uh is is pretty stunningly realized and uh and just has depth and 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 things that you could mine and explore for months about it if you chose to i don't know that we're that we're going to be able to land on anything definitively in in this specific conversation but i've just loved so many of the things that this film has prompted us to, uh, to consider. Um, so this is the moment where I would say like, you know, unless anybody has anything really like, Oh wait, wait, I wrote this down and I, and I have to say this, uh, then we can pivot to the fog meter. Did, uh, Steve, you did. It, it even had the,
2: the notions of uh, the government uh, being, a being a, a country that had freedoms and, 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 they showed that the government was starting to be anti-public gathering and, and limiting freedom of speech. And oh, freedom of the press. right. They showed scenes of the press and and, and saying, yeah. oh, they're starting to say that we can't come in here and do our jobs anymore.
3: It was remarkably prescient given the fact that not only was this, you know, late 80s seeing this, but setting it in 2019 uh-huh. feels eerie given yeah. some of what progressed in 2020 and 2021. Uh, And now some of the things that we're still dealing with here, it does feel remarkably eerie that they, it feels like they just kind of targeted like, this is about where society's going to go. And they missed it by like a year. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, it's, it's just, it's just wild to think about. But, um, but yeah, I, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll leave us with uh, something I said at the very beginning when I first saw this film. Yeah. I thought a couple of shots were cool. Uh, but I largely didn't get it, and 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 uh, on this genre writ large, uh, but especially for this film and Ghost in the Shell and Spirited Away, I'm 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 so glad that I was wrong, and so glad that I gave these films another chance because they are fantastic. Um, uh, which is probably a good segue into the fog meter. You guys good to go?
1: Let's do it. Sure.
3: Let's do it. Okay, yeah. the fog meter, our very specific metric, fear and God, where we measure the scares and the substance of the media that we cover. Akira. From 1988, Steve, you are our guest. I am going to let you go first. What is your rating 0 to 10 on the fear measurement for Akira?
2: Well, the uh, the gore, the blood, and the danger create some thrilling moments that can make a viewer mm-hmm. gasp. Uh, not mm-hmm. many of them are true horror, but I think that we do fear for the protagonists and can be disgusted about what they have to face and endure. So there's... there's, there's Definitely some fear in there. And so I give it on scale of one to ten, I give it
3: a six. Awesome. Awesome. Very good. Um Nathan, I'm going to end with you on this little round. Um for myself, like you said it, Nathan. I think it was you. It might have been Steve, but I think it was Nathan said, like you you feel this kind of when some of those those grisly, grimy things happen. Like, yeah, that like you you really you really feel it uh, to a certain degree, so I think it's remarkably effective. It is animation, and not everything in it is prone to to give nightmares. But what is there is pretty visceral. So, uh, so I'm 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 going to go with seven for the fear measurement. What you what you got for us, Mister Rouse?
1: <laughs> I was ready to be pretty. I, I will wholeheartedly recommend the film when that moment comes. But I was ready to be a little reserved on these two metrics. Um, but doggone it, Beckley Dunn did it again. Um,
0: <laughs> <clears throat>
1: I think you can't. The question is the fear measuring metric for Akira. I think you can't ignore that fear itself is what it is at its heart like mm. a country's anxiety, tension, stress, fear, births. These stories that as you know, while yes, I, I don't understand all the nuts and bolts of how it resolves read you, you, even you put this into play for me. Like it's about reaching for renewal. Like we wish this hadn't happened. God, we wish this hadn't happened. And so I think as an exercise of art, which again, I'm, I'm, these are toggling between fear and God, I get it. But when you ask score Akira on fear, I think it might be a 10. Cause I'm like, it is born of fear itself from a culture. Um, yeah. If there's truth, if, if, and I think there is, and, and Beckley, you pointed out just the looming shadow of those kind of nuclear uh, ghosts. Um, if there's truth that, and um, I feel like it is the, the, the DNA is rooted in this fearful nature we have because of the things we were subjected to. I'm going to go with a 10. I, I am surprising myself i hear you yeah i, I think, hear I you think well i can sympathize with that i when i was thinking of a don't number you I would, temper what i just oh, said no. beckley i was thinking That's of me.
2: like the scariness that i feel when i'm watching the sure. film but from what you yeah. said like the anxiety that that you that you sympathize with the characters so, yeah 10 sounds so I'm, I'm gonna keep my six but yeah go for <laughs> it. Yeah.
3: what uh what would you give it nathan on the on the god meter
1: It feels stupid to, based on the argument I just laid out, it feels stupid to not give it a ten. That feels overshooting, but I think it has taken spiritual, you know, social, spiritual fear, glossed it up with badass biker gangs, <laughs> but, but you know, it's it's brother against brother. It is a culture saying never again and instead imbuing apocalyptic energy into man himself right like that Mm, mm -hmm. is fascinating and powerful can we subvert what happened to us in the future by by investing in actual persons yeah absolute energy apocalyptic energy nuclear sort of you know that's the fear at work there so Man, I can't believe it. A 10. Yeah, I'm going to go for a, 10, right. God God. Go I, for a do, 10. Do not feel compelled to follow me there. I'm Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. It's hard to ignore it.
3: Well, I will say this. I was armed and ready already before you said what you said to give it a nine. You made a statement that I am going to repeat now because it put me back on my heels and I think deserves repeating. I think you've managed to to very concisely and effectively say what was bubbling underneath the surface ever since I've seen this film. It's a film about reaching for renewal. God, we wish this had not happened. And man, how resonant that is to be able to say like, yeah, like a thing has happened that was beyond the grasp of all of us. But this is about reaching for renewal, some for selfish reasons and some for self-serving reasons and some for maybe more holistic and, re- and restorative reasons. But people reaching towards renewal Uh, and, and, and change to that end. And so, uh, you upped my nine to a 10. I am going to give it a 10. I was already coming with a nine, but that phrase put me back on my heels because I absolutely think it's text of the film. And, uh, and so I had to, uh, in the spirit of that, give it a 10 for myself. Uh, Steve, do not feel the pressure to follow us, but, (laughs) but, uh, that's the, that's pivoted to you, how you feel about it on the God meter.
2: Yeah, I think there's a, a lot to take in in this movie because there's interpretations on, on multiple fronts. Um, there's mm-hmm. the social, there's spiritual. Um, I think there's character perspective and societal perspective. perspectives. Uh, and like you said, reaching for renewal, yeah. and then there's the fear of what exactly that renewal will bring, expressed oh, in right. the characters yeah. and then the groups in the movie. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely high on the God meter. I'm not going to go with a 10. I'm going to go with a 9. All right. Okay.
3: That's yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So that means that we give Akira, listen, still put us there. It's an eight and a half out of 10 on the fog meter, uh, which is no slouchy showing. Um, Nathan, I know your answer. I'm gonna let you go first. Do you you recommend Akira to people?
1: Heck yeah. I mean, you know, I don't even think it's that. It's extremes can be. Right, you know, by by the time the visuals are so visceral, uh, that that might could be a turnoff for people. But our kind of crowd, like, I think even if someone's apprehensive, like, I don't know if I'm gonna like this or not, just give it a try. You might you might not. It is it's yeah. a bit wild. And I, if I'm perfectly honest, it's my sort of 15 year old self that that kind of glommed onto perhaps the the badass adolescent sort of component of it. That now my 42 year old self is like reassessing, you know, the 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 DNA of the film itself. So. Uh, but uh, to to stop talking, yes, absolutely, I recommend Akira. <laughs>
3: um, my to the point you just made. My first viewing of it, I kind of didn't get it, and and kind of didn't see what the big deal was. Uh, revisiting it has has energized a lot of that in the in the other direction. I will say this because we haven't highlighted it. You just you just kind of mentioned it in passing earlier. Um, I actually don't think most of the moments are too extreme for most of our. Uh, uh v- sure. viewing audience, our listeners, I, I I do think yeah, it's it's got some extremities and it's wild and everything, and I'm just like, man, but like this is a fun, wild, crazy ride. The one thing I will note is the scene where they assault uh Kaori, Kaori. I think it is yeah. Cowrie, yeah. Um, I just wish that That's wasn't rough. in the movie because it because yeah. it is, it feels a little exploitative even for animated pictures. But um, so so you know, just with that little note, it's 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 a literal like. You know, five to seven seconds of screen time, but I, I do wish that was excised. That that is worth sort of noting with an asterisk because it's, it's it's even it's a moment of violence
2: even brain. early in the movie when the, the man who's escorting the one of the espers gets gunned down oh. and they just oh you know, they, they switch the weapons yeah they switch yeah
3: oh yeah that that is pretty that is pretty graphic yeah. um. So yeah, there are some moments in there, but no. But I, I, I do from where I'm standing right now. You know, if you'd asked me this question ten years ago, I don't know how strongly I'd recommend Akira. But from where I'm sitting right now, this fresh viewing, uh, yeah, I wholeheartedly recommend it. I think it's I think it's really uh, pivotal and thought provoking cinema. Um, Steve, what do you think? You recommend Akira? Yeah, I think it definitely
2: hit me harder this time than it did over ten years ago when I watched it before, and I think it, yeah. it has rewatch value. Um I watched it twice in the last week and I think I, I noticed things <laughs> the second time I didn't notice the first time and uh, maybe I'm also trying sure. to justify that I bought the Blu-ray, but it's uh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It's all right. You know. yeah. uh, I'm proud of you. It, you know?
1: Gets get the value. Yeah. That's um, awesome. in
2: my own personal star rating I, I gave it eight out of ten or a four out of five stars. I think that oh, like awesome. I said, I think the politics in it keeps it from perfect score in my mind. And I think there's a little some fair some time in the middle of the movie that, that makes it a little bit of a slug and but once you get out of that mm. towards the, the when you're getting towards the climax, I think it's, it's sort of a real ride. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely recommend once,
3: once Tetsuo kind of comes into his own and starts just cleaning house. I mean, the film does Mm -hmm. not let up for that back half of the movie. It does not let up. It's, it's really riveting. Uh, but I get what you're saying about those other scenes, like kind of before we get to that point, I
2: Um, think uh, some people would, would say that you have to watch it in the, uh, the Japanese language. Uh, but you can watch (laughs) it. There's on the Blu-ray, there's two, uh, Two tracks for English, one from the original nineteen eighty eight, and then there was a two thousand and one redub, which I think is much better acted. Ah, uh, oh,
3: okay. Mm.
2: But I would, I thats would, cool. I wouldn't slight anybody for watching watching it in any way. Um, yeah, it's uh,
3: it, it it's worth checking out. It's a it's a unique film, uh, and and I, I don't remember s- while I've seen a ton of things that kind of like build upon its ideas. Uh, it it really stands on its own uh, as mm. itself, and. Uh, So that puts Akira, uh, our our conversation on Akira, uh, in the books. This is our third track of our little mixtape, listeners. Uh, Steve, thanks so much for joining us for this. This was fun having you on here. This was great, and really appreciate your insights there. Um, next week, we're going to be closing out uh, side B, if you will, of this mixtape, the fourth uh, track. Uh, we are going to be talking for the patrons about season four of Stranger Things, episode eight. We have another special guest, as we have been prone to do for that episode. And then the broader, bigger conversation is going to be about Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom specifically. So we're going to that uh, that second installment in the Indiana Jones franchise. I'll Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a lot the of fun. When I was a kid. Oh wow. my gosh, yeah. that's awesome! That's <laughs> exciting! That's exciting! Um, so yeah listeners join us for that uh, and, and that'll close off our mixtape before we round out the discussion with a full conversation about season four of Stranger Things uh, Steve thank you again so much for being here Nathan thank you so much for this conversation as always listeners thank you so much for hanging in with us and as we say on every episode the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom but not the end of the conversation in that spirit we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing listeners we'll see you next week everybody see you
1: guys Stay back then. bye
3: The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media, essays, and episode archive merchandise and more. If you love what we do, please consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash thefearofgodpodcast. There, you'll unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online event access, and so much more. We want to issue a special thanks to Jacob Hunt of tracermatula.com for our artwork. Also to our assortment of talented musicians, including Andrew Nelson, The Island Family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes. And also to Lee Wright, who helped me, Reed Lackey, write our theme music. Special thanks also to Tyler Smith at morethanonelesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, and if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.
0: Hi, everybody!